What's up, everybody? Welcome into Fantasy Fire and Ice, the NFL edition brought to you by Sportstopia HQ. You can find us on Twitter at Sportstopia HQ. I'm Simon, joined as always by my boy, Steezy A. Smith. What's up, Steezy? Man, what's going on, Simon? I'm feeling great. How are you doing? I'm feeling spoiled by this week one. You know, that, that 1 p.m. slate, I'm not going to act like it was the best slate of games in the world, but it was the first inundation of nine games at once, right? So even if it wasn't the best football, I was watching a lot of football. Then we got to that 4 p.m. slate, and holy cow, it just felt like nothing but gold going on there. And then you're going to end us off with a 40-0 trouncing, this absurd game. And then the craziest script you could have possibly written for a Monday night football game, we get Aaron Rodgers injured on the fourth snap of the game. Zach Wilson redemption arc comes in behind that defense and leads them to an overtime victory with a walk-off punt return touchdown. Like, I don't know what else we're asking for from week one. I don't know if you could have scripted it any better. I mean, my gosh, I think when it comes to to picking games, week one definitely has to be the hardest week to pick games. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but for me, I like to to kind of, you know, pick winners for every game. And this is probably the lowest uh, the amount of wins that I've had in a while. I, I was eight for 16. Yeah, my, my pick was pretty bad. I was sitting there at seven for 16 this week. But for the first time in five years, I made it through round one of an eliminator league. I have been notoriously bad at week one. I always try to get too cute, but shout out to the Atlanta Falcons keeping me alive in week one with that win over the Carolina Panthers. I think that's I crazy that you say that. Much. Right. That's crazy that you say that because last year I was eliminated week one. Um, but then this year I had the commanders and then with the Cardinals, you know, I think they had a, what was it? A three, four point lead late in the game. I was a little scared. I was like, is, is this my second year in a row being bounced in the first week? But thankfully, they held on. So Sam Howell did it for you. You got it done. Well, I mentioned it a little bit here at the beginning. Unfortunately, Aaron Rodgers did go down with a season-ending injury. I don't know if you saw the quote that he said to Garrett Wilson, but if I wasn't already sad, when I saw it, that was like a punch in the stomach. If you guys didn't see this on his way off the field, apparently he said to Garrett Wilson, I'm sorry, kid. Um, and that just is brutal man you can tell that they developed that connection during this offseason and uh, we were excited for it sounds like Rodgers and Wilson were excited for it as well but with that being said it sounds like the Jets don't want to tie their season to Zach Wilson after seeing what that defense was capable of this is a legit playoff contender team just on the defense alone if they can get a decent quarterback in there now maybe Zach Wilson's better than we thought but there's rumors coming out that the Packers are already talking to some veteran quarterbacks they were sending out feelers uh, Steezy, are there any veteran QB names that jump out at you as a good fill-in here for the Jets? You know, there's a couple, but this one's not a free agent. This one would have to be acquired via trade, I'm and I'm not sure how likely this team is willing to trade, you know, this quarterback to the New York Jets because they have a rookie quarterback starting in place. But Gardner Minshew of the Indianapolis Ooh. Colts, I feel like we've seen him start, you know, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, even during the preseason for the Colts, we've seen him start. He's always been a quality starter. He's not going to blow you away. He's not great. He's good, and I think he's just above average. I think he's a guy that's not going to turn the football over. I think he's a guy that's going to be able to to kind of hold it down. You know, I, I was thinking of Carson Wentz, but I think with the Carson Wentz, while the, the ceiling is high, the potential is high when he's right, I think just his propensity to turn the football over, I, I think that could really kill it for the defense. And so getting a guy like a Gardner Minshew, a solid veteran presence, a guy that started in this league before, a guy that doesn't turn the football over, if the Colts are willing to trade him, I think he'd be the perfect target for the New York Jets. 
Yeah, I love that. And I, and I like what you said. There's a little bit of safety there. And maybe they're looking at this team, the way it's set up. They got Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook, Michael Carter, some running backs that they love. They got Garrett Wilson, a wide receiver they have unbelievable trust in. And then just a platoon of pretty good wide receivers sitting there behind Garrett Wilson. But the defense, they don't need to drop 40 points every game likely to be a winning team. A guy like Gardner Minshew makes a ton of sense, but I'm I'm with you. I don't know if the Colts are going to be willing to – to part ways with their above average backup quarterback behind the rookie. Mine is definitely less. It makes less sense for the Jets, Steezy, but it makes a lot of sense for me and what I want to see in the NFL week in, week out. The NFL is a better place when Jameis Winston's a starter, man. When Jameis Winston has a starting job, the NFL is more fun to watch. And I'm in on LASIK Jameis. If they could get him there, we've seen this Jets team without Zach Wilson be willing to sling the ball around, right? We saw him with Joe Flacco and Mike White just let those guys pepper the receivers with targets. Zach Wilson gets in there. They're unwilling to do that. They get a dude like Jameis in there. Yeah, I know there's going to be turnovers. But that, from a fantasy perspective, it's selfish. It's not the best move for them, I don't feel like. But that's the veteran QB I want to see the Jets go out and acquire. Joining us now, we got our friend Terrell Furman here with us. What's up, Terrell? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Apologize. Uh, You know, a little tardy here. WNBA playoffs is going on. And, uh, you know, I got to... I got my pockets in a whole bunch of different things. And so I definitely had to tap in there. But I heard you talking about veteran QBs coming over to the Jets. And you got one for us? I mean, it's going to require a trade. But who better? Who better than to take over the Jets this season than one? No other than Mike White. Bring him Mike back. White. Run it back. Bring Mac, Mike White back. Whatever it takes. It's probably not going to take a lot if we're being honest. But, I mean, come on. He has his jersey in the Hall of Fame. Like, come on. Mike White. Uh, yeah, 100%. So we got Gardner Minshew, Jameis Winston, and Mike White. I can see any of those names going out there. Terrell, I'll throw this to you. What do you think uh, the chances are that Zach Wilson is their solution at quarterback? And do you think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion they're going to go out and grab somebody else. No, I think it's Zach Wilson. I mean, you, mm. you the thing and the benefit that Wilson has this year opposed to other years is he had an offseason with Aaron and able to learn with Aaron. And Aaron is not leaving. Like, he's not dead, guys. No. <laughs> he, he's, he's still a part of this team. He's going to be going through rehab. He's probably still going to be in pretty good communication with the quarterback's room and the quarterback's coach and saying, you know, what he thinks and all that and trying to be as much as a benefit to the team as possible because – that's that's really like it hurts, man. The offseason revolved around Aaron going to New York. He got on Pat's show. He said, I'm going to be a Jet. Didn't get traded for a month after that. <laughs> it took a whole month for them to get the deal to finally go through. And then he's finally officially a Jet. Everybody erupts. Everything's going crazy. And then you go, you get there, you get hard knocks in New York. So hard knocks is coming there. You're talking about this. All the way through the offseason, you're building all this up. Championship aspirations. Everybody's foregone saying that they're going over their nine and a half win total. Everybody's saying that they could win the division. Everybody's saying that they have a chance to go win championship. Matter of fact, they even had, uh, what's his name, Dr. Oz, whatever, the mentalist person. He came in there and said that he's expecting them to beat the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl. So it's just like everybody. Yes, man, you got to watch Hard Knocks, man. And so you have... All of this, and then not to mention 
the rookie that was one of the love beloved by the fans went and had a walk-off touchdown in overtime. It's like, Aaron, you can't leave them out to dry like that. So while I think that Zach Wilson still needs work, he did not go into that stadium. <laughs> he did. That was the last, literally, I actually physically the last thing he thought he was going to be doing was leading you know, this team to a win. Dropped when he saw Aaron <laughs> go down, especially after the theatrics of the opening, Aaron Rodgers running out on the field holding the American. Like it was hype for Aaron. Oh, and my then you're gosh. right. It's just sitting there, and all of a sudden Zach Wilson's like, "Well," and then he came out to nothing. You uh, th go back and listen to the cheers that Aaron Rodgers got when he came out the first time, and then go listen to how the crowd was when Zach Wilson walked out there. Now they have a week to prepare. They can actually go through the play sheet and look at, hey, what are the plays you like? What are the things you like? I think that Zach Wilson probably is going to be the long-term answer for this season for the Jets, and I can't really see them bringing in anybody that's just not familiar with the offense. No, nah, maybe they bring in a veteran to back up Zach Wilson. Another, just another veteran presence, like a Colt McCoy or an Andy Dalton or something like that. But Colt um, McCoy is out there. if if it's not Jameis Winston, I'm with you, Terrell. I'm I'm cheering for Zach Wilson because it feels like everybody has given up on the dude. I'm not sure. I believe. But I'm gonna oh, be happy if the game was out. so much more interesting when when Aaron went down. I wasn't paying attention in the game. I was I was watching and because you know I had. Uh, I had, which is crazy. I had Leonard, uh, Leonard Floyd sack prop. And so I was so hyped. <laughs> oh. I was like, yes, he cashed it in the first drive. Yes. And then I'm like, oh, he just, he just put but Aaron down. <laughs> oh, he just put Aaron down. Yikes. So, uh, I, I kind of stopped my cheering after that moment because it was kind of sad, <laughs> but I was very happy to hit my bet. Uh, so it is just, I think that is absolutely a huge possibility that is Zach Wilson for the foreseeable future. And that's how we have to handicap it in, fa in fantasy that, you know, if you're in a two quarterback league or you're struggling and you need somebody that could potentially be a really good streamer for you one week, then it's not going to be this next week against the Cowboys. I'm projecting that mm -hmm. game to go under, but you're going to get those matchups. Like you're going to get matchups down the road where, Hey, Zach Wilson is a gunslinger. He's going to throw it and he's going to be able to make Garrett Wilson fantasy relevant. Brees Hall, fantasy relevant. Dalvin Cook, fantasy relevant. And I think that's what everybody's looking for. Man, Wait, based on the defenses quick. we saw. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Steezy. My bad, Sam. I just got to ask because I, I know we're probably going to shift topics in a little bit. But what if, because this is definitely feasible, what if Zach Wilson just starts turning the ball over? Because, I mean, as you guys probably saw, that interception was mm -hmm. gassed against the Bills. And so what if he keeps up those, you know, turnover ways? Do you guys see the Jets pivoting? Because, I mean, at, at some point, those interceptions or those turnovers are going to hurt this team. They got oh, to bring someone else in if they want to yeah. pivot because I believe they don't even have another – they didn't even have another quarterback. It's Boyle. Was it Boyle? Boyle's on the yeah. practice squad. They'll surely elevate him for this next yeah. game. But um, I don't see them shifting to Boyle as a long-term strategy. They're about um, to go trade a six-round pick for Mike White and bring him back. <laughs> see if they can run that back. Man, that Jets-Cowboys game coming up, what's the final score of that going to be? Like 7-3 to three based on the defenses that we saw this past week? Very we'll much see so. if the Cowboys cool. can get it done. Party boy Craig in here said he'd give Wentz a go there on the Jets. And yeah. uh, reminding us that Garrett Wilson, although good with Mike White and Joe Flacco last year, did struggle with Zach Wilson in at quarterback. Terrell, you uh, worried about Garrett Wilson's production with Zach Wilson at QB now? It definitely lowers his ceiling. Yes. Right? 
I was the highest person on Garrett Wilson. I came on this show and I told everybody, hey, he if did. you're in the back of the first round, take Garrett Wilson because guess what? He has Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. And guess what? Aaron Rodgers doesn't trust a bunch of people. Oh, man. <laughs> so while Aaron went down and I was cheering for Leonard Freud, I instantly felt a deep pit in my stomach of, wow, now I have to go a whole season with Garrett Wilson and Zach Wilson. Wilson and Wilson attorneys at law is just not giving me good vibes to start the season. <laughs> nah. And I mean, it was a great touchdown pass. But other than that, if we didn't get that touchdown pass, it was kind of a rough day. And I'm not gonna lie, the touchdown did win me my fantasy game this week. Yep, and it was uh that was all Garrett Wilson, baby, scoring that touchdown. Zach Wilson gets maybe one percent of that credit just for getting the ball out of his hands. Garrett Wilson did the rest of that work. I have a feeling Zach Wilson and Garrett Wilson are not going to show up in our next segment here. We're talking about some of our favorite stacks for the week. I use the Contrarian Edge Optimizer at Fantasy Sports Logic to help me come up with some of mine. If you guys want to try that out, you can copy the QR code on the screen and check that out. Seven-day test drive for just $1. Help you build some of your lineups with confidence going into week two. Enter some of those big GPPs out there and see what you can make. I'm going to kick us off with mine here today, guys. And this one is a, it's a stack of redemption. It's a stack with a stud, but it's a stack from the Cincinnati Bengals that got absolutely blasted by the Browns last week. I'm taking Joe Burrow and I'm taking T Higgins in this one. Um, T Higgins ownership is relatively low compared to some of the other ones. Jamar Chase is projected ownership is up in the twenties at this point. T Higgins down at 14.3. So still pretty high, but I was talking to Steezy before the show. I don't mind being a little bit more chalk with my stack and then get contrarian outside of it. If you didn't go chalk with your stack last week, you missed out on two one Tyreek, right? Two one Tyreek blew the roof off the place when they were supposed to blow the roof off the place. Mm -hmm. Then you grab the contrarian pieces elsewhere. Now that being said, this is the more contrarian piece than say a Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase stack. I think people are a little bit down on T Higgins. They're worried that that week one performance is indicative of his role in this offense. So I'm going to gobble up the slight discount on FanDuel that we're getting from him and pair him with Joe Burrow in this matchup against the Ravens this week. The Ravens are already also a little bit beat up defensively, especially in the secondary. So this should spell good things for Burrow and Higgins. What do you guys think about that one? Is it too, uh, too chalk? You think Higgins bounces back, though? Man, he got to yeah. bounce back. He got to bounce back. I mean, despite the fact that Joe Burrow threw for a career low 82 yards, T. Higgins still had eight targets. So it's not like he wasn't being targeted. It, just, it was just a bad day all around, weather included. I mean – that that Browns defense led by Jim Schwartz. I mean, my gosh, was he throwing different looks at that Bengals offense? They just didn't know what to do from the start. And so, Simon, I mean, mm -hmm. like we talked about before the show, don't get cute. Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, these guys got to bounce back, right? And that should be – well, I'm not going to sit here and say it's going to be a shootout, but Baltimore and Cincinnati? Yeah, that's going to be a great one. Both um, coming off performances where maybe they – didn't perform up to expectations, right? Lamar and Joe Burrow got something to prove this week, so I'm expecting a good game here. I love it's Narrative Street, and I'll, I'll live on Narrative Street, baby. Um, yeah, and I'm buying that that redemption that's narrative for both these guys. But yeah. speaking of narratives and, and speaking of redemption, um, I, look, I'm not going to get cute with this stack, and I'm hoping that this guy actually plays, and I think all signs are pointing to him playing. I mean, he did hop on his podcast. I don't know if it was earlier today, but Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, I mean, against the Jacksonville Jaguars, 
That is going to be a shootout. That is a rematch of the AFC division around um, playoff game from last year. And that is going to produce a lot of points. Patrick Mahomes, by his standards, had a subpar performance in week one. I mean, I mean, obviously, his receivers didn't help him in that cause. But there's just no way that I see the Kansas City Chiefs, the defending reigning Super Bowl champion, starting the season off 0-2. And if they're going to get past the Jacksonville Jaguars, which I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with, they're going to have to score a lot of points. And, I mean, what better way to do that than a Patrick Mahomes and a Travis Kelsey? Again, it's, it's not that it's not that hard. It's simple. And um, if you're looking for a stack, I, I think that's probably the number one stack of the week, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I like that one. Patrick Mahomes is one of the top quarterbacks this week. You're definitely going to have to pay up for him. He's sitting there at 9,000 on FanDuel ahead of some of these other guys. But because of that – his expected ownership percentage is lower than mm -hmm. some of these other studs. Joe Burrow at 20.5%, Lamar Jackson at 18.4%, Anthony Richardson at 15.3%, and then you got Patrick oh. Mahomes down at 12.3% projected ownership here. Oh. I like that, Steezy. I, I like that stack. It's You're not getting cute, but you are getting that little bit of differentiation by spending up at the quarterback position. I think what I like a lot about that, too, is it opens you up to grabbing one of the secondary pieces on the Jaguars, too. Mm -hmm. Like, you spent a big here, but to spend 6000 on, like, an Evan Ingram and throw him in that lineup as well, double tight ended up, see if uh, see if Trevor Lawrence targets, it, targets one of his favorite targets from last season, maybe just a little bit in this high-scoring game. I like it, baby. Come on. Well, you guys went chalk. I have, a, I have a less... I had a less cheaper option, but I couldn't bring myself to do it. So I kind of went a little bit chalk as well. And I think people are going to ignore this one because the team they're playing against only gave up 16 points the week before. But while Brandon Staley is a terrible head coach, and I will continue to go at bat that I don't like Brandon Staley as a coach, and his Chargers team should be way better than, who they, than what they are. <laughs> Herbert and... Uh, what's my guy's name? Kellen Moore. Herbert and Kellen Moore are going to put up points. They're going to put up a bunch of points. And so if you look at what Tennessee Titans did last second, I mean, last week against the uh, Saints, they didn't give up a lot of points. It was more of a bend but don't break defense. Derek Carr still threw for 305. Like he still threw for 305. Chris Olave had 112. Rashid Shaid had eight, five catches, 89 yards, and a touchdown. Michael Thomas had five catches, 61 yards. It's just so much room for this Chargers offense to go out there and have a good passing day that they didn't have against the Dolphins. Like they didn't attempt to many passes because they were running up and down against the Dolphins. And might need to keep an eye on that running backs against the Dolphins because they had two running backs that had really, really good output days against Dolphins. I don't think that they're going to do this against this uh Tennessee Titans front seven. Jamal Williams, 18 for 18 for 45, 2.5 per carry last game. So uh they're still really, really good in Tennessee front seven, but that secondary is always been problems with them it was problems with them last year it's going to be problems for him this year so give me justin herbert with a keenan allen stack but i'm gonna i'm if he goes i may pivot if he doesn't go and i may just go mike williams but if he goes i still want austin eckler because while i don't think that he's going to get the rushing output that he got last week 
the receiving yards are going to be there. He was still targeted a good amount. He's still one of Herbert's very favorite targets. And again, this front seven for Tennessee, Mike Vrabel is a great coach. He's going to dial up pressure to get to Herbert. And I think he's going to have to check down to Eckler and Eckler is going to be able to make good things with the football. So I'm going with the, with a quarterback running back wide receiver stack. And I'm back in the chargers here. I like that one, especially looking at Herbert's projected ownership. We're sitting at 0.3% on FanDuel. He's $8,200, so you're spending up. But people are going for the other expected superstars there. You can grab Justin Herbert, differentiate a little bit. And I think it's what you said. After watching that Tennessee front seven in week Mm -hmm. one, I think people are scared off of the Tennessee defense as a whole instead of separating the two and seeing that maybe they can be exploited a little bit through the air. And if anyone's going to do it, I'll take a Kellen Morlet offense with Justin Herbert at quarterback. And, and right. if Derek Carr was a little more competent, they would have they would have blew Tennessee out. They they it was multiple times. It was one time with the interception. The first the first play of the game, they fumbled on the opening kickoff. Like it was so many times that they gave Tennessee more and more chances, and they just didn't put them over. And so, yeah. And looking at line movement, this is with unders going absolutely crazy in Week One. This is one of three games I believe that has movement going towards the over. That means that sharp betters are actually betting the over in this game i see about uh 80 some 85 percent of bets and about 90 percent of the money on the under in this game but this total has climbed up from 44 and a half to 45 and a half so that's telling me i'm getting reverse line movement it's telling me that i like the over in the game and if i like the over in the game i like the players that are playing in the game to produce fantasy points I'm with you. You got three stacks here. You got the all Chargers stack from Terrell. You got the classic Mahomes Kelsey Chief stack in that Jaguars game from Steezy. And then I am rolling with the redemption for the Bengals with Joe Burrow and T. Higgins. Mr. Goose Egg in week one is not Goose Egg and you in week two. Before we get down to some week two previews here, we got some questions in the chat. A friend Young Star in here stopping by says, I need a QB off the waiver wire. Brock Purdy. Baker Mayfield, Jordan Love, and Dak Prescott are the top four. Steezy, if you're looking at these four quarterbacks on your waiver wire, which one are you prioritizing in week two? Oh, man. I'm going to just say I'm not in love with any of these options, um, but I I have to pick one. And so I'm going to roll with Brock Purdy. Um, He's yet to play against the Rams. I know he did come in as a starter last year, but he didn't get to play against the Rams. The Niners had played the Rams twice before Brock Purdy eventually became the starter but i just think with the brock party i mean it doesn't matter what the matchup is i mean he has way too many weapons his supporting cast is absolutely set up for him to succeed even if he's going up against the jets even if he's going up against the cowboys i mean you have a debo samuel who had a quiet week one but brandon are you eight catches eight targets for 129 and two george Kittle was quiet yeah. we have Christian mccaffrey we have trent williams i mean my gosh the defense you have a head coach of the Kyle shanahan it doesn't matter who he plays the la rams i know they handled business and took care of my Seattle Seahawks that was painful to watch but I don't see a repeat performance uh coming you know this weekend and so out of these four give me Bob Purdy you agreeing with him Terrell are you rolling with one of these other options any any um any desire or temptation to start a Baker Mayfield after what we saw the Packers do to that Bears defense last week not really because I think Minnesota's defense isn't that good either, and he still didn't have that great of a day against Minnesota. Yeah. So I think that is just uh, the style of offense. I think they're going to be able to run the ball a little bit more. I think Rashad White will have a better day. Uh, I, I'm going. I'm going with Paul Heyman's guy. Paul Heyman's guy. And if I, between that list, it's a very close 
very, very close for me between Brock Purdy and Jordan Love. I think those Jordan Love is just going to benefit from having playmakers around him. And if he gets Christian Watson back this week, uh, that's going to be another deep ball threat. He's going to have the chance to be able to throw the ball to. Well, we know we saw what Romeo Dobbs did with them. We know Aaron Jones is going to be able to catch passes and he's still going to be a part of that passing game. So uh, Jordan Love, I think, is a close second, but I. I haven't seen him on the road too much. He had a good output against the Philadelphia Eagles when he came in relief for Aaron last year. But other than that, yeah, I got I got to see it a little bit more. Brock Purdy, he's shown us that he can do it on the road. And this is Kyle Shanahan versus Sean McVay. So Kyle Shanahan is literally Sean McVay's dad at this point. So I'm just going to assume that even if they're eight-point favorites and they end up covering the spread, don't lay eight with – Kyle Shanahan on the road in any situation but if they do end up covering the spread Brock Purdy's probably going to go out there and have a really really good fantasy day and he can like I said with all those playmakers he can just walk into three touchdowns on accident make it a unanimous Purdy there's some safety in Purdy in that offense with the weapons around him I'm rolling Purdy here I'm tempted by seeing a name like Prescott sit there on the waiver wire but going up against that Jets defense I'll trust yeah a little bit more in Brock Purdy right here a question that, from third. That interception is the best play of the weekend. He's going to throw a pick. <laughs> Guaranteed. 32 bit here wants to know Garrett Wilson or Puka Nakua this week and rest of season. Terrell, you were the big Garrett Wilson guy. You loved him. Has he fallen far enough to start the waiver wire darling Puka Nakua over him this week? I will say no. Well, both of them have tough matchups. This week. Tough matchups for each of them. Puka going up against the 49ers. Wilson going up against that Cowboys D. We saw shut the Giants down. And the offensive line. I just don't know how, how long Wilson's going to get to be able to throw. And I I think I have to stick with Wilson for this week. Oh, man. Is, it's brutal. Is Matthew Stafford going to make Puka relevant this week? Or is it going to? Yeah, I got to stick with – I think I got to stick with Wilson this week. It's clearly Wilson rest of the season because at some point Cooper Cup's going to come back. So it's clearly Wilson rest of the season. That's just no doubt in my mind. It's clear that Puka is a really – we have to wait and see what he looks like with Cooper Cup in offense. So I, I don't want to take the chance with that. It's 100% Wilson rest of the season. But this week is very, very close. Like it's really, really close, and it's a great question. I'm going to lean Garrett Wilson. But if you played Puka over him, I wouldn't be surprised. Here's what I do with decisions like these. I run them through the which situation would make me more mad filter. Would I be more mad if I started Garrett Wilson and Puka blew up on my bench? Or would I be more mad if I started Puka and Garrett Wilson blew up on my bench? And 100%, I'm going to be punching myself going, you idiot. You know Garrett Wilson's one mm -hmm. of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Why the hell did you put him on your bench yeah. if he goes off this weekend, if he makes it happen, just because that's who he is. So. I'm rolling yeah. Garrett Wilson. I'll need a little bit more evidence the other way before I make that switch. Steezy, you making that switch this week, or are you rolling with Wilson as well? Man, so rest of the season, I agree with you guys. It has got to be Garrett Wilson. I mean, obviously, Either he's way. a superior talent, um, and he doesn't have to worry about, like, a Cooper Cup, you know, taking away targets. But for this week, I know it's a tough matchup, but give me Puka Nakua. Uh, look, that San Francisco 49ers defense is vaunted. Yes, it scares me. I mean, I would know, right, just because my Seahawks, Seahawks do play that team multiple yep. times a year, every single year. But I'm not scared, and I'm just fantasy terms, right? I'm not scared of their cornerbacks. And with the Puka Nakua, who they move all over the formation, 
Uh, they're going to manufacture touches for him, mm -hmm. um, just like they did with, with the 2-2 two -two Otwell. So he doesn't have to worry about creating separation. And I just think with the, with the Puka Nakua, he's earned the trust of a Matthew Stafford. Just like in Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, it's not easy for him to trust receivers. And for him to trust a rookie fifth rounder at a BYU in the manner that he did, I mean, 15 targets, my gosh. That's absurd. And so for me, I'm just glad that I was able to add him in some of my favorite leagues. Because just like you, Terrell, I was super high on Garrett Wilson. I took him eighth mm -hmm. overall, ninth overall in a bunch of redraft leagues. And now I'm just like going up against the Dallas Cowboys. Do I even want to start him? Because there are a couple of leagues in where I have him. And I was also able to add a Puka Nakua. And so I'm kind of faced with the same dilemma. Who do I start? I'm going to start Puka Nakua this week, though, because Garrett Wilson, whether he's matched up against a Trevon Diggs or Stephon Gilmore, and the front seven there is just scary. Give me Puka Nakua, honestly. I, I'm I'm shooting for the stars. The other question I would have is, who the hell else are you starting at wide receiver and flex if Garrett Wilson's the next guy up to get knocked out? Congratulations. <laughs> You're absolutely killing it. But there is something to be said. Like, there's a league where I dropped 47 fab dollars on Puka Nakua, right? We were running low at wide receiver. You bet your ass I'm starting him. Know what I mean? I'm not dropping 47 fab to have him sit on my bench for one of the four to five weeks he's going to be relevant. I'm uh, I'm getting my fab worth and putting him in my starting lineup. We got Sygen stopping by saying, what's good, fellas? What's up? And our friend Julio had one more question for us before we get into some week two previews. Wants to know, should he trade Deontay Johnson for Zay Jones in a full PPR? Steezy, you making this move or you holding on to Deontay? Ooh. You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Deontay Johnson, he is going to miss a couple of weeks. But with the Zay Jones, when we look at that snap count, I think he played the second most snaps amongst wide receivers after yeah. Calvin Ridley. Yeah. And while it didn't result in, you know, top tier production in week one, he was a guy who had eight touchdowns, you know, last year. And so Trevor Lawrence trusts him. He especially trusts him in the red zone. And so this offense is going to be explosive. This offense is going to put up points. Calvin Ridley, I mean, he's not going to be a dominant wide receiver one every single week. Like, there's going to be a week or two in which he has a bad game. And in the unlikely event that that happens, I, I see Zay Jones stepping up. And so uh, Deontay Johnson, I'm still, I'm still high on him. But I think with the Calvin Austin kind of emerging, we saw an Allen Robinson put up 60 plus yards. Perhaps there's a revival, you know, in place. I just think that by the time Deontay Johnson comes back, Kenny Pickett in that offense, I mean, he's going to have other options he trusts and. With the Deontay Johnson, I mean, I think he's kind of just going to fall out of favor enough for Isaiah Jones to kind of take over um, as far as which receiver I'd rather have, if that makes sense. What about you, Terrell? You agree on Deontay Johnson missing up to four weeks with that hamstring injury in week one. Are you going to roll with Zay Jones, who surprisingly was the second target on that team? It rolled over from preseason, what we saw there. Or are you going to stick with Deontay Johnson, who we expected to be the target leader there in Pittsburgh? Well, yeah, I'm making the trade 100%. I'm missing four weeks with Deontay Johnson. I'm not – if somebody's willing to actually trade me, Zay Jones, who's playing for four weeks and they're waiting on Deontay Johnson, I'm 100% going to let them do that. Like, that, that's a big enough – if you drafted Deontay Johnson, he's probably in your lineup somewhere, whether he's your wide receiver too, whether he's your flex. He's probably in your lineup somewhere, and you're probably not getting as good at production or because you're even talking about this trade. Like, if you had a good wide receiver or somewhere else on your team, you probably wouldn't even be talking about this trade. You'd probably say, all right, well, I mean, Johnson's out, but I still got X, Y, and Z. No, Zay Jones, we talked about He's the startable. snaps. Would, would you – I don't even know if you believe it. Zay Jones actually led the wide receiver room in snaps. He wasn't second. 
he may oh. have been second to production. He led them in snaps last week. He had 62 snaps, 89% of snaps on offense. Calvin really had 57 snaps, 81%, and Christian Kirk all the way down oh, at 60% wow. of snaps or 42 snaps. So it wasn't like Zay Jones he was the wide receiver two by production, but he was wide receiver one by snap count. So that changed my outlook on Zay Jones, double checking that information. And yeah, I'd 100% make this trade if it's affordable to me. Man, we're agreeing a lot today. Make it unanimous yet again, Julio, because I'm making this move. I believe what I saw from Zay Jones week one. And part of that, it's it's what you guys said. It's not just the 11.8 PPR points. That's not jumping off the screen. That's not making you rush to the waiver wire to pick him up. It's his involvement in that offense, and it's the carryover from how they yep. used him in the preseason matching what we saw in week one. That's enough. That's two pieces of evidence for me there. Zay Jones, welcome to all of my teams where you're sitting on the waiver wire. We talked about stacks. We talked about stacks. Trevor Lawrence, Zay Jones, and Calvin Ridley stacked this week. Is They're, they're going to put up points against Kansas City. They're going to try to put up points against Kansas City. Hey, that's hot. And maybe uh, on the other side of that game, Trevor Lawrence sitting at only 7.3% projected ownership. I'm looking at that in the Fantasy Sports Logic Contrarian Edge Optimizer here. That gives you a differentiation right there. Just at the quarterback position, he's cheaper than some of the other top options sitting at 7,800. And that game's got the highest over-under of the week, if I'm not mistaken. I, uh, I like that call there, Terrell. I see Adrian stopping by saying greetings from Mexico. Welcome, man. We're international, boys. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, yeah. We're, we're, getting okay. into, we're getting into some week two previews here. We're probably not going to have time to hit every game, but we got five or six games that we're going to walk through. Some of the big ones, a lot of fantasy-relevant pieces, some line movement going on with some of these guys. We'll talk through it from a betting angle, a fantasy angle, and then answer your questions if you guys got some questions for us as well. I wanted to start us off with that Thursday night game. Vikings at Eagles. Eagles are seven-point favorites. Decently high over-under, sitting there at 48.5 points. So all the Vikings lost week one to that Buccaneers team. Now they go up against a very good Eagles team. Are you expecting a bounce-back performance from the Vikings? Do you like them to cover this minus seven line? Because that seems pretty big, given what we saw from the Vikings last year. Yeah, I mean, so the big thing about the Vikings going on to this season is that everybody said there's no way they go undefeated in one score games like they did last year. And well, I'm sorry, during the regular season undefeated, they lost the playoff one score game that they played in shout out to the New York football giants. But what I'm saying here is that first game of the season, they lose a one score game to the Buccaneers. So it's clearly that something has changed here. And now I'm looking at Thursday night football and everybody's saying, Primetime Kirk Cousins, primetime Kirk Cousins. Well, just wait a minute because Kirk Cousins has looked a lot better on Thursday night on a short week. His typical bad, horrible primetime games are Sunday night football, Monday night football. On a short week, Kirk Cousins has looked pretty all right. If I go through what he's done on a short week in the NFL, 299, 216, and this is a passing yard, 299, 216, 291. That was on a Friday, so he had five days rest, not four days rest. 285, 422, 242, 449, 316, 257. So since 2014 on Thursday night football, on Thursday night football with a short day rest, because there was one day where he had a Thanksgiving game and he had a full week off. I didn't count that game. But on short rest, he's averaging 310 passing yards. I mean, he's putting up the numbers, and it's because he's a gunslinger. And he has, you know, he didn't always have freaking Justin Jefferson, but he had Stephon Diggs. 
he was cooking with Savon Diggs for a while. Like he had all these options and he continues to be valuable for fantasy. And one of these little uh, threats that everybody says, oh, he's going to throw interceptions. Well, he's going to put up 25 fantasy points. So if he throws an interception, he's still at 23. I think that this game is a little bit closer. I didn't like what I saw from the Eagles defense, giving up 300 yards passing to Matt freaking Jones. So uh, I think that Kirk Cousins, who had 300 his first day, he's going to have a good passing day this this time around and he's going to be able to keep this team fantasy relevant and this team betting relevant i like minnesota plus the seven taking minnesota plus seven steezy on the other side of that ball we were a little bit at least i was uh thrown off by the running back usage in this philadelphia eagles team in week one kenneth gainwell kind of leading the charge there deandre swift taking a back seat do you expect that to continue against this vikings team or how are you attacking this eagles running back core after a, a slightly confusing week one Man, real quick, just to kind of add to that, Simon, I did see a report this morning from head coach Nick Sirianni, and he talked about how they're going to have weeks in which DeAndre Swift has that week one usage, and there's going to be weeks in which he has increased usage. Oh, great. So, Fantastic. I, right. I, I That's what we love to hear. Exactly. <laughs> I don't really know how to take that, but at the same time, Kenneth Gainwell has yet to practice. Like, obviously – you know, it's still early in the morning, at least here on the West Coast. I, I don't know if practice has started for a lot of teams yet, but Kenneth Gainwell missed Monday's practice slash walkthrough, and then he missed Tuesday's practice. And so I don't know if he's trending towards playing right now. I'm going to assume and I'm going to act as if he's not because it is, you know, it is a short week. And while the rib injury that he sustained isn't overly serious because it is a short week, you know, Philly might opt to play the safe just because they have the depth at running back. And so to kind of answer your question, I'd lean towards more of like a DeAndre Swift slash Rashad Penny. Uh -huh. I know Rashad Penny was inactive last week, but he still has the talent. I mean, I saw him here in Seattle when he was healthy. And yeah. while that was hardly, you know, a, a, a thing, it's still right now it is a thing. Like he is healthy. He is still running behind one of the best, if not the best offensive line in football on a short week. He's had a lot of rest, didn't play last week. And so I'm looking at DeAndre Swift or Rashad Penny, Kenneth Gainwell. I'm staying away from this week unless all of a sudden – he is going to play, but I don't expect him to play. So um, I'm looking at one of those two. I'm with you, and I like the Rashad Penny call. And I, I like the call out to his time there in Seattle. We've seen stretches from Rashad Penny where he looked like the back he was drafted to be. Mm -hmm. uh, we've just also seen a lot of injured time from that dude as well. And maybe on the team that's least forgiving to any sort of issues from the running back position there in Seattle. Pete Carroll doesn't give a flying crap about who he's putting out there. He'll uh -huh. put out seventh round player. He'll put out undrafted player. He doesn't care if you're a first round pick, you fumble once you get hurt. He's putting someone else in there. We got a question in here from Adrian. I see Tamian stopping by asking, I think I recognize that guy in the top left front yard fantasy, Simon, same dude, Tamian. I knew I recognized your name. Adrian wanted to know for week two. So they start Brees Hall or Joshua Kelly, both Tough matchups for the running back that we've talked about already. Joshua Kelly's got that Titans front seven he'll be running up against. And, of course, behind Austin Eckler, Brees Hall saw less work than Dalvin Cook in week one, but did way more with what he was given. Now he's going up against that tough Cowboys defense in week two. Terrell, who are you throwing out there, Brees Hall or Joshua Kelly? Yeah, I'm throwing Brees Hall just because I know that Brees Hall is going to have a very consistent workload. I just – I'm – I think that Joshua Kelly, they they were getting whatever they wanted, no matter who was out there. So they kept giving him carries. But if if Austin Eckler goes, I think that his usage this week is going to go down. And if Austin Eckler doesn't go, he's still getting a very tough Tennessee Titans team that I think is going to be very stingy. And he doesn't have the pass catching uh, 
repertoire that Brees Hall also does have, and he can be able to do that as well. And so uh, I'm going to take a chance, and I'd rather go with Brees Hall than Joshua Kelly, but I do think it's close, and it's a tough play for both of them. Steezy, I see you nodding up there. You agreeing with Terrell? It's Brees Hall for you? Man, see, I'm, I'm, I'm torn. But, yeah, let me just rock with the more talented player. I understand that defense is going to be tough. But, um, like you said, um, you know, Terrell, he is able to catch passes out of the backfield. The explosion is there. I mean, he can mm -hmm. rip off an 80-yard run, a 26-yard run at any point in the game, no matter what defense he's going up against. And so I'm going to bank on that. Even if Josh Kelly gets more of a workload because of Austin Eckler's injury, um, like you guys said, I mean, that Tennessee front seven is nasty. So, yeah, give me a and as the resident Giants fan on the show, that first drive, the Giants literally ran down the field. They didn't get stopped until they started throwing the ball. The first drive from opening tip all the way down, the Giants ran the ball down the field and got entirely down the field. And then at that point, when they got in the red zone, they went away from the run, they went to the pass, and every drive after that, they went back to the pass and got nothing. If they can exploit, if they saw that first drive and they can exploit that, Brees Hall can have a good day where he can probably rip another long one because the defense of the Cowboys early on in that game was very, very much struggling against the run. Sitting there, we got another question in here from Block Boy CY. What's up? Welcome in. Steezy, I'm going to throw this one to you. After disappointing performances from Devontae Adams and Ramondre Stevenson, if you're the fantasy manager with those players on your roster, are you looking to trade either one of them? Is the concern high enough that you don't think they're going to bounce back, or are you you holding for better weeks? Nah, wait, hold on. Nah, what? I mean, if there's an offer that's too good for me to refuse, then maybe. But, I mean, no. At this point, I mean, look, if you traded or if you drafted a Devontae Adams, you took him a bottom of the first round, early second, Ramondre, bottom of the third, maybe top of the third. No, unless I'm getting equal or higher value in exchange. Why even think about trading these guys? And we're only into week one, y'all. And I know it's overreaction week. A lot of people tend to overreact both in real life and in fantasy. But come on, y'all. These are studs. Devontae Adams is still a high-end wide receiver one to me. I know week one might not have been very telling of that point. Jacoby Myers was the wide receiver one for the Raiders. But come on, y'all. The talent's going to – at the end of the day, that talent is going to win now. And then Ramondre – on the ground, he had a bad night, but at least as, as far as catching passes out of the backfield, he's going to be that guy for the New England Patriots. So, no, I'm not trading away Devontae Adams or Amandre Steven unless I'm getting equal or higher value in exchange. Yo, I love that, and I love the uh, the emphasis you put on it. These are your studs. These are the dudes you drafted to anchor your team. We have one week of data, and it still didn't look necessarily like the end of the world for either of these players. I'm not too scared of Zeke after what I saw from him in week one. He can do something, but Ramondre is still the best running back in that offense. And Devontae Adams, you know what? Shout out Jacoby Myers after an entire offseason of everybody calling him just a guy, just a guy. We'll see We'll see if he can make a difference. He's just your average slot wide receiver. Well, he showed up there in Las Vegas, but Devontae still the dude. You agree with that, uh, Terrell, or are you more pessimistic about either of these players? Oh, no, I'm 100% in agreement. I don't, one, Ramondre might have a, an amazing matchup. I told you, let's keep an eye on this Dolphins front and how they do against running backs because they gave up 200 something yards on the ground to Joshua Kelly and Austin Eckler. So there may be something there where running backs may be able to have a pretty solid fancy day against the Dolphins. And I, I don't, I, I'm not even going to consider trading Tay. Like, it, yes. 
yes, Jacoby Myers had a very good coming out party in the Raiders uniform, but Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams. He had Patrick Sertan on him. That that's a tough matchup, regardless of whatever is going to be like. He's going to be good in weeks going forward for sure. And he still got 10 plus targets. Yeah, you can't be too mad about it. There's another game I wanted to talk to you guys about, and maybe you can make some sense of this line for me because when I first look at it, it confuses me a little bit. And that is the Packers at the Falcons. Packers favored by one and a half points over there on the FanDuel Sportsbook, 40.5 over under, expecting this to be a low scoring game. But based on what I saw week one from both of these teams, I'm looking at this and going, what the hell? Why are the Packers only a one and a half point favorite? Mm-hmm. Um, Terrell, what are you thinking about this game whenever you see that line? Well, I mean, if you go check out my Vegas early line analysis on Sportstopia website, then you'll see that I had this listed as my three lines that I was watching for for the week because the Falcons opened up at one and a half, minus one and a half. And after that game, it completely flipped on its head and went over to Packers minus one and a half. And I still don't think it's enough. I think that there's a clear coaching advantage between Matt LaFleur and Arthur Smith here. So I'm, I'm pushing that over to the uh, Packers side of the ball. I've seen, even though he hasn't made a road start, I've seen Jordan Love on the road. This isn't like Sam Howell where I'm getting his first road start like ever in the NFL who against the Broncos earlier. Like this is Jordan Love. He played on the road against the Philadelphia Eagles last year and came in relief and played pretty well. They almost came back in that game. That's how well he played in relief Aaron Rodgers in that game. So I think that here is probably a good time to get down on the Packers at a low number because they're unwilling to boost the Packers up. The books are unwilling to to give the Packers a three on the road like they're giving the Chargers against the Titans. Like they don't have that pedigree. They've only seen one game, but that one and that one game was against the Bears. But I think that they're just slow to the party. I think that this Packers team is way better than anybody forecasted. And they should probably be two and a half. I don't think I would give them Atlanta plus three against them, but I would definitely have this line at two and a half. And I wouldn't be surprised if it got to two and a half right before tip. Get another uh, get another point in there. Not quite bumping it up to three. Steezy, are you any more optimistic about this Falcon side of the ball when looking at this line? Or are you agreeing with Terrell here that this is maybe uh, underselling what the Packers are capable of? You know, I'm kind of in the middle. I think with that line, Vegas respects Atlanta and others, or at least the rest of the world does. And for me, I, I like Atlanta a little bit more than – the next person does as well. I, I think with their defense, they added a lot of pieces in the offseason. Their prized possession in a Jesse Bates coming over from the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, my goodness, he had himself a day. Two interceptions. I think he had a forced fumble, 10 picks. I mean, t- excuse me, t- 10 tackles. So he just went off. Calais Campbell is there. Grady Jarrett's always been one of the more underrated defensive linemen in football. AJ Terrell went healthy, one of the best cover guys in football. Um, what's his name? Jeff Okuda. I think he's set to play this week. And so I think with the Atlanta Falcons, given how conservative they are on offense, they preserve their defense. And because they preserve their defense and because they have all these veterans, they have a bunch of, of solid um, guys in that locker room. I think they're going to play the Packers a lot closer than people realize. I understand Jordan Love absolutely tore apart that Chicago Bears defense, but the Packers, that's what they always do, the Bears. And so I think that kind of played a part into that. And so maybe Vegas is looking at the Atlanta defense in the same manner that I am, and they're probably thinking that they could force Jordan Love to make some of the same mistakes that Bryce Young, you know, made against that Atlanta Falcons defense. And so while I wouldn't put the line at what is it one and a half because that's almost essentially a pick'em, I can kind of see the logic behind it, and I'm not mad at it. 
It, it makes more sense when you look at the entire picture, right? They got it set at 40.5. They're expecting this to be a slower game. I think it's what you're saying, Steve. They're expecting that Atlanta offense to slow things down. Maybe the defense able to hold the Packers a little bit better than what we saw in week one. I see John Luke down here saying, I'm watching the Green Bay game right now. Jordan Love looks a lot better than I was expecting. It was Steve, good. He made the throws. He, he Whatever throw he was supposed to make, he made. And that sure. unfortunately, I don't know if Desmond Ritter is going to be able to do that against this really good Packers yeah. secondary. Oh, yeah, I hope they don't even ask him to. Just give that ball to Bijan <laughs> and Tyler Algier a hundred times. And sorry, Kyle Pitts and Drake London. It's uh, it's going to be a long season for you guys, I have a feeling, based on what we saw from this offense week one. Is there a possibility that Jordan Love isn't just okay and he's actually, like, good? Like, if Jordan Love is – like, I think everybody went from saying, oh, Jordan Love, we don't really think he's going to do anything, to him being okay after a good game. What if Jordan Love is not okay and if he's actually good? If Jordan Love is actually good, this line is off. Yeah. Oh, if, yeah, if he's an above yeah. average quarterback, if this is a yeah. if this is their next dude, their long term starter, you're right. This could just be they're not uh, bought into Jordan Love as the dude yet. And Tamian down here, kind of agreeing with you, saying as a Jordan Love doubter, he is doing really well, and I was possibly wrong. I think that's what a, a lot of people are thinking right now. I was expecting just average like i wasn't expecting him to be bad but i was expecting an average quarterback and what we saw week one means that he might be better than that like you're saying down there terrell we had a question related to one of these falcons pop in here steezy our friend reflex smoke wants to know should they trade travis etn for drake london and miles sanders are you making that move or are you holding on to etn no i'm i'm sorry i'm not laughing at the question i i just think that Actually, maybe I am, um, but no disrespect. <laughs> I just, look, I just would not entertain this whatsoever. So Reflex Smoke A43, we appreciate the input, and I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I just think the fact that you're even asking the question is, is somewhat disrespectful, and that's why I'm laughing, but I'm not trying to disrespect you. Uh, I, no, he, no, hell no. What, Drake London? Zero? Zero catches on one target for zero yards. And Simon, you just pointed it out. This Atlanta Falcons offense is barely going to pass the football this year. So I was wrong on Drake Lynn. I thought that he was going to take the next step forward. He still absolutely can, but his head coach in the scheme is going to hold him back and prevent him from doing so. Mm -hmm. They took a guy eighth overall for him to run block. That makes no sense. <laughs> Same with Kyle Pitts. They took a tight end fourth overall who's supposed to be a generational talent to run block. Like, they should have got one of them guys from the triple option. They should have got one of them guys from the triple option. You was going to do that. They like, they probably better blockers. A quarterback, somebody defensively, but you're taking two top-tier uh, skill position players and having a run block. That makes absolutely no sense to me. I mean, I like the scheme. I like what they're doing offensively. But, no, as far as fantasy, I like him better in real life than I like him in fantasy. Let, let's just say that. And then Miles Sanders, <laughs> his week one workload is very encouraging. But no, Travis Etienne is surefire running back one for one of the more explosive offenses in football. I'm not trading that for a guy that run blocks more than he catches passes, and then a guy in the Miles Sanders who has still struggled to stay healthy. So no, absolutely not. Yo, Steezy Cameron came in here asking if he should start Drake London mid anti Drake London rant. Then says after that rant, I'm second guessing my question. He immediately responded. That's awesome. And uh, to answer your question, wants to know if he should start Drake London over Devonta Smith, Zay Flowers, Zay Jones, or Elijah Moore. I'm starting all those guys. Uh, I expect yeah. this Cleveland Cincinnati game. The, the closest one is Elijah Moore, but 
I expect a hell of a lot more passing in this Cleveland Cincinnati game. So I'm rolling Elijah Moore out there as the wide receiver two in that offense. Mm-hmm. Don't forget Alexander. Jair Alexander is the number one corner for the Packers, and he's absolutely locked down. And if you want to ask anybody about him, ask DJ Moore. Oh, God. That was – as a DJ Moore fan, I am painfully aware of what Jair Alexander does to that boy. He makes DJ Moore look like a scrub out there on the field when that man is usually one of my favorite wide receivers to watch. But that being said – well, I'm curious to see this game. The Falcons-Packers game is one of the games. I know it's sitting there at 40.5, and usually I'm not as excited about these low-scoring matchups, but there's just a mm-hmm. lot of unknowns. Is Jordan Love for real? Uh, what are we going to see from these running backs here? Does A.J. Dillon get more involved? Is Aaron Jones going to continue being one of the top pass catchers? Is Christian Watson going to come back in and take over for Romeo Dobbs? Is that top dude? I don't know, man. One more question before we move on from this game, and this is likely going to be the last game we got time to cover in here. What are you guys doing with Romeo Dobbs in week two if Christian Watson's back out there? He was the clear top target from the, mm-hmm. in the wide receiver room, but Christian Watson is who we all assumed would be target number one. But we got a new quarterback sitting in there who had all offseason with these wide receivers. There's a world where Dobbs stays as that top option. Uh, Steezy, when you're looking at Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, are you comfortable plugging in Dobbs even with Watson coming back into this lineup? Oh, 100%. I mean, let's say Christian Watson does play. He's probably going to be looking at AJ Terrell right across from him. And I was just hyping up AJ Terrell earlier today. Let's not forget, just a couple years ago, he was an all pro, I think, second team cornerback in the National Football just League. Two seasons and ago. Just two seasons ago. And last year, I mean, he just wasn't mm-hmm. able to stay healthy, didn't play the entirety of the season. And so I'm not really going to knock that against him. But let's say Christian Watson does play. He is going to see, again, like I said, a lot. A lot of AJ Terrell. And so Romeo Dives, he's gonna have a lot of opportunity. He's gonna have, you know, less coverage in his direction. And so yeah, I, I like I, I like Romeo Dives. I'd be comfortable putting him in my lineups for sure. Terrell, you got that comfort as well, even with Watson coming back, that there's enough maybe for both these guys to eat. Absolutely. Same thing as Steezy said. AJ Terrell is there, and I, we don't know if he's gonna shadow Watson, if he's gonna sure. play one side of field and just take whoever comes over there. But I think that that still opens things up for Romeo Dobbs. I think he's still a great player. And we got to see what what he looks like after the hamstring injury. So, yeah, I'm still on Dobbs. I think he's a very good option in the flex or in a wide wide receiver three spot. Well, guys, we are almost approaching the end of our show here. Before we get there, though, we talked a lot about Garrett Wilson, what the Zach Wilson injury meant, or Aaron Rodgers' injury, Zach Wilson starting meant for Garrett Wilson's fantasy value. And I think this question – Hits on that line a little bit. With the Aaron Rodgers injury, Terrell, are you trading Garrett Wilson for Devonta Smith, wide receiver two there in Philadelphia? Mm. I have a lot of Garrett Wilson. Um, (laughs) Maybe maybe in half your leagues, maybe hedge a little bit and do that in half of them. I think I am. It's 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 right around that line, isn't it? It's right around that line of like where you were drafting these guys. It's close. Though. I what what is their schedule? Is there is there a, somewhere where I can get a big Garrett Wilson game in the next two weeks? The uh, schedule is tough. I know that for a fact, and it's only yeah because they're playing so many playoff teams. They got right. Cowboys, the Patriots, Chiefs, Broncos, Eagles as their next five games. Oh, it's no, you can't start them in any of those games. Passer Tan, uh, Gonzalez over there, and yeah, um, I'm in, making the trade. I can't I can't think of any other week where 
I can 100% say Garrett Wilson is going to score more than he did against the Bills. With that with that lineup, I can't think of another week where I could say he's 100% going to score more. So if that offer is there for me now, I'm going to go ahead and take it. Steezy, you taking this as well, rolling with Devonta Smith? Easy. Got Easy. it. Devonta Smith. Fantasy is supposed to be fun, and that dude is becoming one of my favorite people in the NFL. Every time that dude's got something to say, every time he scores a touchdown, I just want to see what Devonta Smith is doing. Like, if I could pick a dude to play video games with tonight in the NFL, it's probably going to be Devonta Smith. And if I'm picking one of these two dudes to be on my fantasy roster, it's going to be Devonta Smith. Give me Jalen Hurts' first-round wide receiver, the Slim Reaper. What I will say is because – the Eagles, this is literally flipped. The Eagles have a rough end to the season, and the Jets have a rough start to the season. If I have the flexibility and I can make it the first half of the season without depending on Garrett Wilson, then I'm keeping him because I do think that at the end of the season, he's going to be really, really good for fantasy. Same thing, but it's the same thing with Devontae Adams. I mean, not Devontae Adams, but Devon Smith. If I think that he's going to be – if I need somebody now, then I'm just going to go ahead and take him, and I think he's going to be good first half of the season. And then we'll maybe talk about this Philly office in the second half of the season where they play a lot more playoff teams, a lot better defenses. But, oh, man, that, that hurt my heart. That hurt my heart. That is absolutely uh, a difficult one, and you found that line, Samuel. Great question. That is going to be it for us, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. A reminder, if you're not already following the dudes up here on the screen – Make sure you go and do that right now. You can find Steezy on Twitter at Steezy A. Smith. You can find Terrell at ReallyRell underscore underscore me at FYF Simon. We'll be back here every Wednesday, and you can find us here all throughout the week talking through NFL, DFS, some fantasy, and some betting as well for you. And if you're looking to up your game in week two DFS, make sure you check out the Fantasy Sports Logic Contrarian Optimizer. Seven-day test drive for just a dollar. We were using it today to help us figure out some of these stacks. You can use it to go into week two with some confidence. Until next week, though, we are out of here. Enjoy week two. Go get those dubs. We'll see you guys on another time. Peace.